it's interesting to me, and it always has been, that we all have imposter syndrome, at, no matter if you're charging $15 an hour or $1,000 an hour. We always feel at some level, at, it might only be for an hour that you're not worth it. And But I do know that the service that I'm offering is worth it. So I have to overcome that mindset. Right. First off is that it actually isn't about you being worth it. I think that that's hard to accept because it's my, it's my design. Discover how Dana was able to shift this mindset later in this episode. Welcome to the She Leads Business Show, where I shine the spotlight on female owners of growing small and medium-sized businesses. You're in the right place if you want to ditch the stress and firefighting, stop working too many hours, despite having team members, and never compete on price again. I'm Una Doyle, founder of creativeflow.tv. I'm a speaker, business strategist, and impact coach. Business owners hire me to help them to build a business they could sell tomorrow, but they probably don't want to because it's highly profitable. It's fun to run because they and their team are in creative flow and they get to make a bigger impact on the world. In every episode, myself and my guests share the strategies, stories and wisdom to help you to achieve this too. Now, let's get on with the show. In the first half of my interview with Dana Sacco, we heard her journey of growing up in a rural community and how her experiences of sexism led to her dropping out of college and growing a seven-figure computer business with her husband. Check it out if you missed it, because some of this lays the foundations for what we now discuss, very much focusing on pricing and communicating our value in ways that compel our ideal clients to buy. So they sold the store for business. So what happened next? We bought a farm. I know, you want to talk about something completely different in life? Yes. My husband and I bought a 32-acre farm in Loudoun County, Virginia. And neither one of us have farming experience. We both grew up on five or more acres of land. And we did very well, actually, because we took, the, we took our farm from zero to about quarter of a million, half a million dollars a year by integrating all of my online knowledge into farmer's markets. I was the first one to bring a square to a farmer's market in our area. No one had heard of that. I'm like, I'm selling a piece of meat that's worth a hundred dollars during, you know, if you have lamb or something and it's, it was expensive. I'm like, I don't carry $100 in cash around in my pocket nowadays. So I brought a square to it. I had a website. I created an email list, a Facebook page. So I did all of the social media marketing for our farm. Before reels were out, I was recording little things and send, you know, posting those. So it was, it was a lot of fun. During that time, we went from two kids to five kids. And we were there for about 12 years. So it was, it was definitely a lot of fun, a lot of work. And none of my kids are farmers. It ain't in the genes, then. <laughs> no, they, they recognize the amount of work that it is. It's when we're recording this, it's Thanksgiving week here in the United States. 
and we would be butchering turkeys. And it was a true family affair. And it would be going on from Sunday through Wednesday. People would be coming up, these, picking up these fresh turkeys. And turkeys aren't heavy. So it was a workout. And so for the, you know, the years that we did that, we did not eat turkey during Thanksgiving. We would be having spaghetti because we were so tired of turkey. So, but it was, it was a lot of fun. I wouldn't change that for the world. So what prompted the change? My husband retired and we actually had someone offer to buy the farm. And so when we had someone offer to buy it, then we went ahead and took it. And we've moved to South Carolina. And it kind of snowballed from there where retirement is really kind of boring. And after a certain amount of time, not doing anything when you've been doing something for so long, like, you, you know, you live on a farm, you wake up, you're farming from the moment you wake up until the morning you go to bed. And even sometimes afterwards, it's, it's a constant, it's not just a job. It's not just your business. It's actually your life. You do not have a choice. You, you know, there is no such thing as taking a day off as a farmer unless you have backup. And so I was diagnosed with Lyme disease. It was a great time that I could actually step away from it because it, Lyme disease is a terrible thing and there is no technical cure for it. They can get rid of the virus, the parasite virus, whatever they want to call it, but the damage is already done if they don't catch it in time. So it was a great time to do that. And retirement is boring. So I moved on and took a part-time job after that and then switched over to do my own business. Which brings us to today. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know a lot about Lyme disease. So what exactly is it? I think it's affected differently. You get bit by a tick. Most likely you will never see the tick that you got bit by. Some people do. I never did. And it can do a lot of different things to your body. I've known people who within a week couldn't walk. For me, it affected my brain. I had something called neuroline, and it got to the point I was bedridden. I could not walk from I could not walk from one end of the house to the other without being exhausted or out of breath. And when you have five kids in a farm, that's exhausting in itself. So you have to keep going. Mm. And but it affects everyone a little bit differently. I know some someone all of a sudden couldn't eat meat. They could not eat any beef at all. No idea why, but it's just what happened. I ended up having an IV line of antibiotics for over 30 days. Wow. It's and once you have that on your medical records. They'll blame everything on it. I mean, you're running your business and doing lots of things. You've managed to recover at least a large extent completely. When things affect your brain, and I think that the brain is an amazing thing. I've learned so much about the brain. Your brain will start to rewire itself. And so you start to rewire everything. I have reminders on my phone. I have reminders on my computer. I have reminders. I have steno pads. I have post-it notes. 
they will all have the exact same reminder on them because I need it in multiple locations. And I do that with everything. And I've learned different ways. I'm a list maker. My mother my mother would laugh hysterically with me telling her that because I used to laugh at her and the number of lists that she would make. I now make lists of everything. So if I was doing work for you, I have a step-by-step list of exactly what I need to do. And it, it's just repeatable. You know, if I do it for you, I'm doing pretty much the same thing for someone else, but I'm taking notes. Like I said, I have steno pads, and, you know, rocket books and gosh knows what else going on that I have. So you just kind of learn to work with it. Yes, I, I agree. Our, our brains are amazing. And in fact, actually, the the mindset work that I have specialist practitioners do clients is based on that neuroplasticity of how our brains can rewire themselves. There's so much that can be done. I'm really pleased that you've been able to find a way to make things work for yourself. Fantastic. In terms of where you're going where do you see the business in the next three to five years? I'm terrible at visualizing three to five years. So we're going to say one to two years. Okay. <laughs> Whatever works. <laughs> I, I've never been able to do that three to five years. You know, where do you see yourself in the future? But my business is actually, we're restructuring it a little bit to focus on higher end CRMs because I found a hole. And when you're in a business, when you're in a community of like-minded business people, you start listening. And when you start listening, you find holes. And then you say, hey, can I fill that hole? You know, especially if it resonates with you. And I found a hole in financial pros and their email marketing and following up with leads. They don't. They, they do, but then it kind of just dies off. They don't continue the communication. And I'm actually going to probably bring this in a little bit earlier because I listened to the video that you sent me mm. and it was, I've actually used it a couple times in the past week in conversations <laughs> because I love statistics. I think, you know, people in this type of realm, we do love money or, we love money. We love numbers. We like to see these type of things. And you had mentioned, and I had the notes of it, of, you know, a person might not even buy from you until the fifth to 12th contact. And when you're DMing people, you're sending direct messages on Facebook. If you don't click their email, they drop off the face of the earth. So where do they go? And I found that in this group of people that I work with consistently. And so we are elevating what I offer because it had never occurred to me to offer it at a higher level, the CRM with the email marketing system so that they have an entire pipeline so that you do keep touch with these people so that you do have those constant touch factors to create a relationship because now we need to create relationships. It's more than just creating a business contact. 
it's more than just creating a client. It's creating a relationship with someone that you want it to grow, whether it's, you know, a one-time purchase, you still appreciate that person and you still want to talk to them. Couldn't agree more. That definitely works. And I, and it's interesting thinking of this because when I think of financial people, I think of people who tend to be quite methodical. And it's really interesting to me that they wouldn't follow up to that extent. They think that they do. And that's what I'm finding. They think that they do or they are not consistent with their marketing. So maybe they, I'll see them send like one email out. Then maybe a month later, an email out. And it's the people that are getting ready to scale. They're not, the new people, they're not doing probably any email marketing at all. So they're kind of at a starter phase. Then you have the ones that are ready to start scaling. I mean, they're making decent money. They're bringing in team members. They're expanding, but they don't have a consistent marketing platform to continue to do it because they're not thinking of it right now. They might think of it tomorrow. So instead, they'll send out a broadcast, which is great, but it may not be, you know, it may be a sale or, hey, I've got this offer versus sending out something that might help them, that builds that relationship up. Because I can guarantee you, it, you know, the blasts remind me of those irritating text marketers that send you things over and over again that you've already said stop to. You know, if it's a sale all the time, I really don't want to hear from you. Right. And so that's great. So you've identified this hole, this gap that you're filling. It sounds like these people have a real need for it. So what's your number one challenge in getting to that vision in one to two years? So you talked about the hole, but tell me a bit more about your vision. So... I want to bring in, and it, I was actually working on it before we got on to talk today with a quiz funnel to identify which type of system or which level would work best for you. Cause I'm going to have, you know, you have the starter people that are just starting out versus you have someone that's ready to bring on a strategic marketing team that monitors everything that monitors the email marketing that will help you upload your emails. You may have a sales team going. So, you know, there's different, there's definitely different levels. Then you have the one in the middle who just needs something to be consistent that needs to start building that reputation because they're ready to hand that off to someone else to help them. So for me, the vision is actually taking my business. My goal for the next year is to do 500 to a million dollars and that's a huge leap but it's a totally needed market and i see that and i like to have big visions well why not if you're going to go for it you might as well big right so currently there's you one contract and you want to your team as well as part of this I will. I'm going to bring on some people to help me out. I 
enjoy designing the workflows. I enjoy putting together the map of what it's going to look like. And then I want to bring on people, upload that content for for me to help, you know, formatting emails. Because honestly, after a while, that does get boring to me. So I'm looking to build the team to be able to help with the tech support if something is going wrong to make sure that things work correctly to almost be mini-me's in a way, but not, not yet. I mean, I can't hire someone with 30 years experience. It's not going to happen. So I can't duplicate myself, but I can, I can work with people to help get us to where we, we need to be with me as the lead designing everything and them, mm. them just putting in the content. Right. Yeah. And that, and that's definitely people who would be in flow differently than what has you in flow. You know, right. you, you want to do the high level strategy and you want someone else to be doing the detail. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. So we can see that vision there. And what's your number one challenge in achieving this vision? For me, it's actually the price point. That is very difficult for me to overcome because I'm knowing your value, knowing your worth, I speak of it a lot. But changing your strategy where you're going from a $2,000 one-time cost to something that's going to cost someone $6,000 to even set up. And then, you know, for you to maintain it, it's going to be 2000 It's a huge difference as it's an ongoing relationship. The knowledge is there in my head. I just have to own it myself and trust in myself to be able to bring it forward. And that's when you surround yourself with like-minded people that can kind of help you with that sort of a thing so that you can overcome that type of a situation that, you know, it, it's interesting to me and it always has been that we all have imposter syndrome, no matter if you're charging $15 an hour or $1,000 an hour, we always feel at some level at it might only be for an hour that you're not worth it. And, but I do know that the service that I'm offering is worth it. So I have to overcome that mindset. Right. And there's one thing I think that I would say first off is that it's, it actually isn't about you being worth it. I think that that's hard to accept because it's my. It's my design. And so, yes, I know that the value is there to them once it is all set up and it runs. And I know that because I've done this for other companies. And some of them have gotten to the point that they've been able to, with me helping them, they've gotten their team to be able to take it on. And so they don't need me anymore because I've trained their team to do what I was doing. So they could all be self-enclosed and do their thing because I wasn't going to go for a full-time position. Mm -hmm. That's not what my dream is. So knowing that the value is there and that's what they're paying for and taking that personal part out of it is very, very difficult. If you were to think of your business as a car and as you being the driver, 
of that car. Now, if you were going to sell a ride in the car, shall we say, then would you be thinking, oh, what am I worth? Right. That's a good analogy. I like that one. That's really good. So I always want to try and divorce the business owner from the services or products that they offer because so often, like, you know, you would appear to be as at least a somewhat creative person, like many of my clients and myself. And, you know, there's a few things that go on that affect pricing for us creators. So number one, we tend to be very empathic. So we're very sensitive to what other people might be feeling and mm-hmm. any concerns that they might have. And also that empathy, we're all like sponges as children until about the age seven and you know whatever we get told we hear or we see we tend to just take all as being fact but then also as we grow like there might be little things there we don't consciously think about but then get reinforced such as the situation you described little lady sit down you don't know what you're talking about you know that maybe reinforced something that actually you don't even remember that's created that sense of, even though you're logically going, well, I'm right, I built this computer yesterday, I know you're wrong, and I have the proof right here. The proof is in the computer. Because <laughs> <laughs> quite often is a, a part of us that it kind of latches onto, and it's just another piece of evidence. And those things can build over time this is where the mindset part of being able to release those and rewire our brain. I have my clients do deep work to help them to do that. And it's also about creating a bit of separation, not too much, because I really want, you know, for small and medium-sized businesses, that like a part of our soul in our business, because that's part of what will set us apart from the competition. You know, we need to be able to, bring into that well what our superpower what are our natural strengths and personality that we wind into the business and build our business around that so we have a team around us that that's a real core part of the business and we structure our team we structure our strategies we structure our business model to suit that so it's a combination of having a bit of distance without having a connection. So there needs to be a connection with us in our business, but we are not our business. Right. And I think that that is important. And it's very hard. And I totally agree with you because of the things that I went through. And I'm sure other women went through the same type of things as well. The reinforcement over and over again. Well, let me talk to your boss. Those type of things, it adds up. And yes, it puts the they're not going to believe me. So they're not going to like what I do. It's totally something that you need to separate yourself from. And it is what I am working on this year is to make it so that it's my business. And then I just happen to be the face of it. Exactly. With this new offer that you want to do, taking your ideal client, what is it worth to them on average to have this in place? Oh, they have a lot of more freedom 
a CEO would actually get to be a CEO. It's really helping them step into that role in their own business because I think that so many of them, they get freedom, they get their time back, they can actually enjoy their creativity. They're always working inside of their business instead of on their business and their business becomes stagnant because of that, because they have to spend so much time on these pieces and then they don't realize that things are dying off because they do not see, as I said, it's financial pros and they love numbers. And most of them don't even know what a KPI report is. So they get that sort of a thing, or they do know what it is and they don't have any in place. So they don't know where their people are falling off. So it's giving them a stronger community. It's giving them time and it's releasing them from having to do these things. And they can make decisions based on what they probably love more than I do, which is numbers. And you talked as well about the follow-up. I mean, I know that for businesses where the follow-up isn't happening after just a few points of contact and they're missing out on those five to 12 points of contact where, where the sale actually happens. Like I think it's 80% of sales happen in that mm-hmm. period. So presumably there must be a financial right. measure that you can talk about in terms of return on investment. Oh, absolutely. Because if you don't contact them, and there was another statistic that I had, I'm not sure if I heard it from you or not, but 40% of people did not hire a service provider because they didn't follow up with them. Mm. 40%. And so that's a number right there. So that's 40 people out of 100 just didn't buy from you because you didn't talk to them. So if they have that pipeline where they can go ahead and nurture those clients, it's, it's like an infinity symbol. They get to go, come back around, and you're just building that relationship, which is definitely increasing profits. So what revenue typically would your ideal client ask me before working with you? 100000 or more per year. The highest level service that I per- would say would probably be at 250 or more. They have a... They have a lead generation process, but it's failing in some aspect and they don't know why. I mean, we've talked about how 80% of sales are happening between the fifth and 12th content. And if they're not doing that, then presumably they're only getting 20% of potential sales. But I'm not going to say, well, let's increase that number by 80%. Let's even take the, me- the number you mentioned, 40% of people are buying because they're not being followed up with. So if you take a 100K business and they increase their sales by 40%, then they're now a 140K business. And then if they do that again, it's actually going to be 40% of 140. But then that's taking them up near enough to 200K mark in two years. But, you know, I'm just working it out. Well, the first 12 months, right. then the next 12 months. And for a lot of these financial businesses, they're recurring revenues, aren't they? <laughs> so they're not one-off. They're recurring, they're happening over and over again. So every time they grow, probably a very little attrition. So I think there's a direct 
financial ROI that you can talk about that makes your and actually because the following year, so in the first year, your fee you set up six K plus then two K a month, so that's thirty K. But the following year your fee is actually only twenty four. Right. Because the setup has already been done. So they're actually getting an even bigger return in years two, three, etc. I don't think there's many people who, when they're shown, oh, if you invest $1 in this and then you're going to get back $1.40, that would say. That's how it needs to be looked at. And yeah, I hadn't run the numbers like that. So that was really good. The thing is, is like, obviously, connection and empowerment are really important to you. We can see that from the stories that you shared here today. Yes, actually, your focus on those things cause, was causing you to miss out on some very black and white that actually, for these kinds of financial people, you know, I mean, okay, some of them might be more creative and or extroverted type people that are salespeople, but a lot of them might may well be kind of in my personality profiling terms, it, the ignition tool that I use would be wise fuel. They're the introverted, analytical people, very risk averse. You know, they like a lot of proof, by the way. So you need to make sure to be building that into your marketing. And they'll, you know, if you if you're talking empowerment and that kind of stuff to them, they'll just kind of be like, uh, yeah, okay. So what are the facts? <laughs> right. Give me some statistics. Give me the ROI. Give me the return on investment. That's what I'm interested in. So I think you've really got to look at personality make or who it is that is your ideal client. Now, you also need to decide, well, okay, this, there's a huge industry. You mentioned to me about financial advisors, accountants, bookkeepers, you know, people in finance. You know, that's quite broad and there may well be a mix of different personality mm -hmm. types because... It may be the case that like, if, if you can niche down into, well, it's not just this industry or industries, it's also the, this type of person who's experiencing this situation, then, and this is how I solve the problem. And you're really clear on their hot, because the hot buttons for that introverted analytical person is, they're a bit different than the maybe slight, maybe more extroverted salesperson. It's, mm -hmm. They're going to have different concerns. So I think getting really clear on that and creating your market dominating position to, to kind of hit their hop is going to be really key. What do you think? I definitely agree with that because I do tend to work with more women than I do with men. It doesn't stop men from coming into my realm, which is absolutely fine because we have a different viewpoint though. And we do have a mix. I think most women have a mix of a creative and an analytical side. Whichever one is stronger depends on which marketing is going, you know, for example, I want more time. I want, you know, I want to stop saying, I find a lot of women who are also mothers who are running these businesses that are 100 Kate Plus are saying, I'm tired of saying you must wait to my kids versus the ROI of 
the money because the money's already coming in. So they're just seeing it, the extra money as an added bonus to being able to say, I have more time with my family. But then you have some, myself, I want to know the money ROI. Yeah. With, with the changing economy, I think the money ROI has to be in there because, you know, mm -hmm. obviously people buy emotionally and they logically justify it to themselves. And right. that, that justification part of it actually needs to get stronger for businesses. There are so many businesses, right? Cutting back marketing, not investing themselves in their business. And it's actually the worst thing that they could be doing because, you know, it's not that money disappears. It's just that people are going to be, they're going to be looking deeper into what they spend on, why they're spending it's what they're going to get back from it. Whereas, you know, maybe before they would have been like, oh, yeah, I'll have that. That sounds like a great idea. They're going to think right. harder when they spend. So we all need to be prepared for that by having a really strong market dominating position and making sure that this is all part of our sales process as well. What are your steps from? this part of the sales process and the follow that are, are going to address all their hot that are going to shift their beliefs so that they're totally ready to buy. Right. So that's definitely what I'm working on. I'm trying to figure out. And since I do still, even though I have that high dollar, I still have. And what I'm also doing is building a team to do the smaller builds because I still like my little people because they have big ideas. And one day I imagine the smaller people to get into the bigger space. So it is filtering them out because a small business that's just starting definitely does not need a $6,000 setup. They don't need exactly. it. No. <laughs> and so I don't want them to feel that that's what they need, but then I don't want them to feel left out that they're going to be missing something so it's kind of a mix on that sort of of finding where people are and being able to help them grow to the next step i think having that market dominating position that's it, it sounds to me like you need kind of two one each audience mm -hmm. but there also needs to be a cohesive team that's you know make sure that you're not in two different businesses <laughs> as well. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So, so that needs to be kind of going through because you're not, you're not, it's just two different okay. price points really, but it's making sure that it builds into that. So obviously in a situation like today, like we're, we're not able to get into really releasing underlying mindset pattern. That's the kind of, I'm not worth it money issues, what might other people paying, expectation, pressure, value yourself, all of those kinds of things that typically would be addressed in an ongoing relationship. But what has thinking about the money side and the you being the driver of the car, how how do you feel now about that higher price? I think my price point is actually, I think it's right on. I, I think it's 
set. It is, you know, in the United States right now, everyone's running Black Friday sales. And this is never something that I would ever, you know, I might throw a bonus on top of it, but I would never discount it. I don't see it as a discount. It does because I know the value in it. It is overcoming my own fears and my own objections to myself versus what the service is. The service is dead on. It's now putting it in writing to show people exactly what the offer is. But I love the ROI. I mean, I took notes on that one. So because you did the math. I'd sit down and do it with a calculation because I was just doing it in my head. But I mean, I could even take it into a smaller aspect for, okay, in this amount of time, you're going to make this amount. You know, you can make this amount, whereas they're not looking at it as a year because, you know, we don't always like to see a year. We like to see three. We like to see each quarter. At least I'm a quarter person. So, you know, this quarter we'll, we'll work on increasing it by this much. And then some of it's just engagement. So it's definitely seeing value versus just seeing worth. Exactly. Value is in the eye of the beholder. Mm-hmm. So what's your number one objection to yourself then? It's really ingrained into me with the worth, with the value, with the dollar signs. I know, and I'm working very, very hard on this. And I think that most people should work very hard on it. And, you know, it's funny because I never thought of myself working hard on how I perceive myself because I've always thought I'm pretty damn confident. And it's showing up and it's showing up as that person that, as that expert, but showing up as myself and knowing that you know, the value that I bring to them is totally worth the money and absolutely worth the money that they're about to invest. And it's not just, you're not just paying me to do one thing. You're investing in the value of what I'm offering you. What would help to increase that sense of worth? For me, I think it's going to be repeating it over and over and over again until I believe it in my own head. I have affirmations and I really need to pay attention to them a little bit more often than I do. And I I do think I have to remind myself constantly that, you know, you, you're totally worth it, but what they're paying for is the value. Because I really like that. I really brought that. That has really come out of this conversation that it's not, they're not paying for me. They're paying for the value. I just happen to be the instrument that can implement it. Exactly. I'm going to say something a bit controversial. Well, some people might think it's controversial. (laughs) So in my experience, myself, my client, affirmations will only get you so far. Mm -hmm. When people first get into personal development and, you know, they want to change their mindset from being aggressive, they want to start being a fixed mindset, growth mindset, and just kind of maybe create a more of a positive environment in their minds, that can be great. In terms of shifting pattern, I've not found them to be hugely effective. And if you're working really hard on it and these these things still aren't shifting, it's not your fault. It's not that you're not working hard enough on it. It's that actually they will only get you so far. 
My first ever mentor, she used to say that positive mental attitude, PMA, as many people call it, but this positive mental attitude was like taking a tin of dog food, putting it on a plate, covering it with icing and calling it cake. It looks like cake, but when you cook it, in, it ain't cake, it's dog food. Right. And so the thing is, is that, you know, affirmations, they, they can be like the icing on that dog food. Uh, and the dog food is not you. The dog food is the crappy belief, right? <laughs> just to make that clear. So, so those, those beliefs, those patterns, thinking, feeling, behavior, they're the dog and covering them up doesn't actually get rid of mm-hmm. What's What actually is way more effective is to use a technique that's going to release that and rewire your brain so that you no longer have it. And then you don't need the affirmations. It's, it's just gone. It's just not a part of you. Because it never was a part of you. You weren't born with us. It's something you acquired along the way. Right. I agree. Looking at it from a different perspective and at a different age, yes, it is definitely other people's crap that they projected. And it was repeated over and over and over again. And I'm a launcher. I'm the type of personality. She will put something together and put it out there. This one, I've actually taken it and designed it, put it up on a piece of paper and redone it at least four times, done the market research for it. I need to own it. I need to actually own that offer. I'm sitting here looking at it. It is in a Google Doc and I'm staring at it and I, you know, I add in the ROI part of it And I need to write it out as this is what you're getting. This is what it's going to cost. And do you want to do it? Yes or no. And it's it's pretty much that's the end of it. You know, you either want to do this type of service with me or you don't want to do this service with me. And either one will work. And and when you do that, by the way, I know you said you're not just looking ahead three to five years when you do that ROI you what what would the number be in five years time mm-hmm. because compounding of the sales and that percentage increase percentage you decide to use you know that's going to be absolutely huge but yeah I, I I just would like to leave you thought of finding something else that's actually mm-hmm. going to shift things underneath the icing thing it look pretty. It isn't actually changing anything. And I may well get people emailing me saying, Croatia's really worked for me, Una. And that's brilliant. But when something is ingrained, it's happened numerous times in my years of coaching where I've said something and they've gone, boom, and it's absolutely shifted things and they've been able to move on. But there's been so many more times where people have battled with something. And it's only by doing the deeper work, which ironically is less work, that they actually have been able to fully let go and change those underlying patterns. Definitely. So what's been most significant for 
conversation here today, Dalit. Honestly, the the way that I'm viewing it versus viewing myself as what I'm selling and turning it into the car, the car with the rider. You know, do you want to take this journey with me or are you getting on in the next car? You know, that, it's a great visual and I love visuals. Exactly. Do you know what would be great? Why don't you guess a picture of you in the driving seat of your car and print it out, put it on the wall and put your business name on it as a reminder. You are not the car. You are the driver of your business vehicle. <laughs> Fantastic. Dana, it's been lovely getting to know you and your business and talking through your challenges. I'm so delighted that you come away with something positive from that. And where can people find you? People can find me at danasacco.co. And I'm also on YouTube at Dana Automates. Fantastic. And we will pop those in the show notes like always. Well, it's been a pleasure. I'm looking forward to seeing how you get on from here. And uh, yeah, best of luck with your new launch. I wish you all the best. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me. That's all for today, folks. Have you subscribed to get more of this juicy goodness for your business? If not, tap that button now. Remember to check the description for links mentioned in this episode. Did you enjoy and find value in this free broadcast? I want you to know that I go so much deeper into the topics discussed with coaching and workshops based on my impact-driven growth model. Want to know how I can help you to double your profits without spending a penny more on marketing or ads? Let's arrange to hop on a call to discuss your goals and challenges and I'll show you how. Plus, when you book, I'll send you some free training videos too. Go book now at creativeflow.tv forward slash call with Una. That's creativeflow.tv forward slash call with Una.